All right, welcome to the first episode of the You Can Event newest podcast, Purpose, where we want to bring the best knowledge, teaching lessons, practices to every human being on the planet Earth on the path to living a life fulfilled with purpose. At You Can Event, we want to connect the world through celebration and bring humans together through amazing events and in real life experiences. We firmly believe that events and in-real-life experiences are the foundation of any purpose-driven individual, business, institution, or nonprofit to flourish their vision and grow their engagement with their communities. So we decided to create this podcast because we are obsessed in living a life with purpose. I am myself, Antonio. I come from a nonprofit organization back in Portugal, Europe, named Azituna. We performed musical shows in the world's most famous theaters, and actually we performed for more than 150,000 people in just one single concert. Also, on the second hand, one of the beautiful chapters that I like to share in my life was that I was part of a supporting group for one of the world's best soccer teams called Juveleo, which supports Sporting Club de Portugal, which is a soccer team, and I have learned how to move thousands of people for a belief with great adrenaline, celebration, color, and excitement. On the flip side, since my 15 years old until now, I have learned how to transform my weaknesses like anxiety, acne, inflammation, fungus, allergies, and many more issues into fuel them in my strengths and converting that into a path of living a life with purpose. What you guys, audience, can take after hearing this podcast actual methodologies, behaviors, practices, information, and advice, how to become a high performer, achieve mental clarity, and get a solid foundation to live a life filled with purpose. We will spark your brain with artistical initiatives by singing you songs composed by us and develop your creative thinking to get the best of your ideas. We want you to feel happy, inspired, creative, and hopeful. On behalf of the You Can Event team, I hope you enjoy. If you like, feel free to share and recommend the podcast with some of your friends. On today's show, we have our first guest speaker, Tina Greenbaum. Tina has been an optimal performance coach and a dynamic workshop leader for more than 33 years throughout her life. She has been pioneering and combining traditional psychotherapy with body awareness, energy psychology, neuroscience, and spirituality. She brings you the latest discoveries in neuroscience with the ancient traditions of East, as well as the best of the Western learning theory. Her own personal journey led her to the discovery of the intimate connection between mind and body, and she has been teaching others the skills necessary to gain mastery over managing their emotions in challenging and pressured situations. She works with business leaders, athletes, artists, speakers, and other high achievers who want to excel in performing under pressure. Tina, welcome to our first episode. It's an honor, a blessing, a pleasure to have you here. And the first question that I have to you, how do we change? How do we become better and perform better in life? First of all, I want to congratulate you on this podcast and this wonderful idea of purpose that you are proposing and looking to help people because I think it's an awesome, awesome journey. The question that was my question for so many years is how do I actually help somebody change at a fundamental level? Because the body gets triggered before the mind. And so we could talk, talk, talk about change, but if we don't work on the intimate connection between the mind and the body, we're missing something. So how do people change? They change in the way that I've worked and developed and been discovered and taught. And I like to look at where an emotion lives in the body. It might sound a little kind of a little crazy, but let's just say that I notice that I get a lot of colds and coughs and phlegm, right. asthma, things that have to do with the chest which in yoga and the, and the idea of the chakras is it's the area of the heart. And so exactly. there's a lot of things that get stuck and we get stuck sometimes because we don't want to feel things. We don't want to feel pain, which is kind of a, a logical and, and a natural thing to do. So what we do is we shut down and when we shut down in the mind, we also shut down in the body. 
And so we build energetic armor. And so how do we change? So we access these places that are sometimes frozen. There's a saying that says, Antonio, that there's nothing that gets registered in the mind that doesn't get registered in the body. There's nothing that gets registered in the body that somewhere doesn't get registered in the mind. So let's just say I'm noticing that I get a lot of coughs or colds and, and I just spend some time and I, I focus just on my chest. I don't change anything. And the operative word is I notice. I notice. I notice. So when we talk about change work, we have to start to talk about what are we aware of? So again, mindfulness now is the, you know, is a buzzword, but it's an ancient tradition. And mindfulness is awareness in the present moment without judgment. Interesting. So basically being free and release yourself for any limiting factor or judgment to just think freely and analyze the inner self, right? Like what's happening from the inside? Whatever it is, it could be a sense. Frequently, we just start with a sensation. I notice that there's tightness in my chest. And then I sit with that. And then I notice, wow, it's moved to my neck or my shoulders. And I notice that. And then all of a sudden I might have a, an image or a thought or a thought contract, you know, that feels like it's so disconnected to what we're kind of looking at. And then it's like, Wow, I remember when I was 10 years old, I was on stage and I got really nervous and I never wanted to get up again and I feel this tightness in my chest. And so we're looking for threads of connection that lead us back because I like to look at not just the symptoms, but what are the causes? Sometimes we can find them, sometimes we can't. But everything in change work starts with awareness. In your business, if let's say that you do an event And then you and Andres go back and you start to look at the event and what worked well and what didn't work well. And then we start to see like, I don't want to change this, but this needs some help. And that's how that we begin to start to make some incremental changes where we begin to change our experience. On your book, for the listeners who don't know, Tina wrote an amazing book that I really recommend called Mastery Under Pressure. The tagline is, all that stands between you and your goals is you. And on chapter nine, you cover one thing that I'm particularly obsessed with, which is belief systems. So belief systems are the stories we tell ourselves to define our personal sense of reality. Every human being has a belief system that they utilize and it's through this mechanism that we individually make sense of the world around us. How do you implement these belief systems? And if you had to teach to the audience how to implement them, what would be the best advice for them? So a really great way to look at that is, let's imagine that there was somebody in your world that just bugged you, you know, that just really, really, really annoyed you. And what our tendency that we frequently do, most of us, is we pick at that person. Oh God, if only they would do this and they're a pain in the neck and if only they do that. But we have no input, whatever, for that person to actually change. So we end up frustrated. But what if we took the question and we said, what is it about that person that triggers this in me? So when somebody talks like that, it starts to rub me the wrong way. Why does it rub me the wrong way? Well, I think it's really kind of gross. Or I just heard somebody on a stage the other day, a young woman, a beautiful young woman who was the MC of a thing, and she was cursing. It might not have bothered anybody else, but it bothered me. Because my belief system was, you're a representation of this organization, and I'm not sure you're being the best representation by using curse words. So it's my belief system, mine. And so there's so many things that go on under the surface that if we stop and we say, I'm wondering, what do I think about that? Where did this come from? Whose belief is it? I'm actually, Tina, reading now your book, and you cover Adam Gerard in the article that he wrote, Science, Faith, and Belief Systems. And he talks about two kinds of belief systems. One is scientifically based and the other one is faith-based. So the scientifically based belief system is used to build evidence. Can you talk a little bit more about these two differences and how they impact our belief system? There's so many things that people do research on that intuitively we may know, but until they're proven, through testing and, and statistics and so on, we can't say that it's a fact, right? So that's the scientific thing. When we do something, I just notice over time, 
but this kind of person is annoying and not only annoying to me, but this person is annoying to everybody else around me. So that would say to me, I have a belief system and it's also in agreement with a bunch of other people, but it's not proven by a scientific experiment, you know, with a control group and placebo group and a, and a this group and a that group. And so it becomes, we call it anecdotal evidence that and a lot of my work is really based on anecdotal evidence because I'm not a statistician. And it's just over time, I see trends. You know, we look at our politics and we're not gonna go there in terms of really kind of looking too much, but it's really based on people's belief systems. Biases are based on people's belief systems. Where do they come from? Well, they come from frequently our family of origin or they come from our culture. They come from all these different places. But once we start to examine them, then we can choose do we want to hold on to that belief system? Is it appropriate for us in this stage of our lives? Okay, so basically faith-based belief systems are unequivocally based on the lack of evidence or evidence that may be impossible to collect. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, is there a God? A lot of the things that we talk about energy and now the science and the neuroscience is beginning to prove things that the ancients have known for centuries. On that note that you say that you talk about energy, so you tell, you cover that energy is everything. Can you tell to the audience why energy is everything and why energy is so important in high performance and mindfulness? So I was just talking with somebody a little bit earlier. So when I, we think of energy, we think of the highest energy is the energy of love. And so when we go down the scale of vibrational energies and we come down to negativity and frustration and annoyance and so energy is catching. If you came to me and you were sitting in my office with me and you were highly anxious, I could pick up your energy and without knowledge, again, without that level of awareness, I would start to feel really anxious. But if I stop and I ask these questions like, I wasn't really feeling anxious before you walked in and now I'm feeling very anxious. This is not mine. I'm just picking it up from you. And then I can continue to work with that in terms of how to separate my energy from your energy and create some kind of boundary. That, that leads me to a question, Tina. I remember like back in the days that I read on a book by a, a coach also, I think his name is Darren Hardy. And he said that People act with you based on the energy that you express. So they are kind of like a mirror. So if you are an asshole, people will act with you like assholes. So do you think that also that is connected, that energy that you give to the world, it reflects on you back? Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the whole principle of energy is whatever you put out comes back. Let's just kind of look at the converse. Okay, so here's this person who's an asshole and then we begin to feel like them. Conversely, if we can live in the higher vibration of love and compassion and acceptance, that also is catching because the higher energies trump the lower energies. I'll tell you one quick story about that. I had a client many years ago who was probably about your age, about 28, 29, very smart, very, very accomplished. And he would come into my office and he'd put his at that time, it was a tape recorder. He'd put it on my desk and he said, would you mind if I tape the sessions? I said he would tape them and then he would leave. And he was highly, highly, highly anxious. So one day he walked in and he took his tape recorder and he slammed it on my desk. And he said, I don't know what the hell you do to me, but I walk in here really, really anxious and I walk out really calm. And I said, you know, what I do is I work on myself. One of the things you cover on the book, for me, it's mind-blowing each 13% of what you are saying through your mouth in words versus 73% through your body language. So basically, when you are speaking to another person, people get only 13% of what you're saying versus 73% from what you express in the body. So I find this fascinating because especially in, in real life experiences, there's nothing more important than body language. So when you are connecting with humans in real life, so that means when you are speaking and those listening to you, they are reading you more than you might imagine. The question then becomes, how do you manage that behavior and how do you control and get awareness that you are doing certain actions? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes 
it's by ourselves, by our level of awareness, and other times it's by people telling us that we trust. So when I started to learn how to be a public speaker, I was in Toastmasters, a Toastmaster club, which is an international speaking club. And so I would get up to speak and there was a woman next to me and I used to ask her to give me feedback for when I would sit down. So I would be asked a question, I'd get up and I'd stand up and I would just answer the question. And she would say to me afterwards, she said, take your hands off the back of the chair and stand straight. The next week, she would say to me, take your hands off the back of the chair. It wasn't until maybe the fifth or sixth time that she told me that I could have that pre-level of awareness and then keep my hands off the chair. So we do so many things automatically. Sometimes, again, if I'm giving a speech, I may tape it, practice it so that I can watch myself and see what other people see that I don't see. That's one thing. And the other is, it's not just your body language that people are aware of. It's your tone of voice. It's the energy that you speak with. If I talk to you like this on this show, I don't think anybody would be very interested in hearing, even though I might have brilliant things to say, right? Mm-hmm. But if I speak to you from my heart, you know, and sort of down in my gut, and I project what it is that I want to say, and I connect to that part of me that's connected to my own truth and authenticity, I'm going to give out a very, very different vibration. That's so true. I'm a firm believer on that and I practice that a lot, especially on the tone of the voice, which I think from my entertainment experience, I can like do a rehearsal like la 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 la, like just to get the air off on the voice. And I truly believe that it's such a big deal when presenting yourself or communicating with someone. I'm truly a big believer on that. So on that note, I have a question. So one of the things you say regularly is that all that stands between you and your goals is you. And I have a question for you. So personally, I've suffered from anxiety, severe acne, and honestly speaking, I use that weakness to become my strength and isolate myself, spiritually speaking, and grow. Uh, But sometimes these problems can really affect you and remove self-confidence, willpower, energy, etc. How do you see nutrition and inner body harmony getting connected with high performance plus connected with the system that you have developed. Do you think it's possible to overcome those obstacles without looking at nutrition at all and focus only on the brain parts? Or do you think that we have to have a harmony? Great question again. So the way that I think about peak performance and the way that I think about personal growth and transformational growth is it's a circle. It's mind, body, spirit, and emotion. Every one of those quadrants. And I think it was in 2005, I had breast cancer. And then in 2008, it metastasized to my liver. One of my clients gave me a book when I first got sick, and it was by Andrew Weil. And it was something about nine steps to healing. I don't remember what the first eight were, But the ninth one was, you do whatever it takes. So I had a healer, excuse me, who said to me, he said, illness begins in the energy field. So we all have these layers of different vibrations of energy that that go out from our body. It's our spiritual energy, our emotional energy, our mental energy. And there are people who can see these layers in your aura. I can't see them, but I can sense a lot. Right? So he said, illness starts out in the energy field. So even using the acne or, you know, things that are going hormonally in the body and that are connected to your emotions. And, and so if we don't deal with it here, we don't deal with it here, we don't deal with it here, it ends up in the physical body. By the way, listeners, if you need help in overcoming any personal issue like acne or, you know, digestive problems, uh, just feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'm more than happy to share with you my experience because I know it's kind of like hard and just feel free to reach out and I'm more than happy to share my feedback with you. So healing and growth starts in the physical body. So that goes to nutrition, that goes to exercise. It goes to everything that has to do with putting good things in your mouth and on a physical level. And then it moves out into the other energetic fields. So physically, Emotionally, a lot of the stuff that I teach has a lot to do with managing your emotions. 
mentally, how we think, the words that we use to just even talk to ourselves, forget about talking to other people. We talk to ourselves in a way that we would never talk to in our worst enemy. A lot of times, oh, I can't did this, and oh my God, what a failure, and oh, how stupid you were, and right? They affect us. And then spirit, the things that really kind of turn you on and how you connect to these higher vibrations of energy and love and compassion. So as your body becomes more in alignment of all these different aspects, that's when we're really cooking. That's when life gets really juicy and really, really good. I believe in that. I'm actually obsessed in practicing that holistic approach every day just to achieve mindfulness and mind clarity because I think that removes completely the anxiety part of life. So what about our culture, which is a very hot topic connected with politics and economy and all of that jazz. So you say we are all the time thinking, 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 thinking. And how do you think that impacts our energy, our mindfulness and life accomplishments? So what you're talking about are a lot of areas of stress where we feel pressured, we feel stressed, we feel out of control, all those things that are connected to that. And so I use a couple, a couple things for myself that are kind of part of my religion. So when I feel stressed and I use, and I'll give you a definition that I use for stress, it's the perceived amount of control that we think we have or we don't have. So the other word is perceived. So if I look at what is going on economically or I look at what's going on politically and my mind just becomes obsessed with, oh my God, everything is terrible and, and, and what's going to happen to us and climate change and all these terrible, terrible things that I could really spend a lot of my time thinking about, but I feel helpless. So the question then becomes, where, where am I in control? How do I contribute to this? How do I contribute to the solution? We don't have a lot of clout for some of these really, really bigger issues, but what, what are the things that we can join? You know, our vote does count. And how do we gather that kind of positive and productive energy so that mm. we can actually make a difference in our lives? And, and so when we stay just in the mental plane, we are activating our sympathetic nervous system all the time. And the sympathetic nervous system is the one that is in high gear. And it kind of, we secrete hormones and adrenaline and cortisol. And over time, that becomes poison to the system. And that's how stress-related illnesses get started. That's how my cancer got started. I have no doubt in my mind. What we need to do is we need to be able to change these nervous systems from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. The sympathetic is fine if we really are in danger. And that's how we got started with this. There's a tiger running after us we have to be able to jog really, really quickly, then we got to be able to move and go into that gear. But we need to be able to come out of it. And this is the work of a lot of the work that I do. The body and the mind quiet and still and energized and refueled. Having that balance and recognizing when we're starting to get agitated, using the breath, because the breath is the only thing we have that's voluntary and involuntary that we can actually change this nervous system. That's so beautiful. We really hope that you overcame your health issues and you are healthy now. Yes, I am. And matter of fact, they can't believe that I'm as well as I am, but nobody asked really how I did it. I do believe that, and I just had my, my final, final DNA test, that I do not have cancer in my DNA. So it was stress-related. That's beautiful. So on that note, now we will make a small break to sing a song to you, to issue the best of vibrations and the song to our audience. This song is very special for us because it was the first song that we composed that sings the vision of You Can Event in the World, of connecting people through celebration. So I truly hope that you enjoy and take your time now to celebrate life with us. So it starts like this. Hey, just listen now, every time that you feel down Celebrations are sensations, don't waste time creating evaluations Cause we are all different, don't spend time being some even cause No matter how much you try to prototype we Just have one thing in common, don't, 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 don't be a modern be The one that shares love, friendships and beliefs, yeah 
Cause life is a music and we are here to sing and dance with her Believe in yourself, go to your mother and tell how much you love her And spread the message for someone else and Start doing the celebration with a good vibration now Raise your arms to the sky and sing so high You can event every day You can do it anytime Celebrating with your life, yeah You can do it, yeah You understood the message, try not be so that restless Remember that you live once, spark the brain and do the bounce, yeah in the end of the history, only the strong Marathon East, he wins the race of life Believe in yourself, go to your mother and tell how much you love her And spread the message for someone else and Start doing the celebration with a good vibration now Raise your arms to the sky and sing so high You can event every day you can do it anytime Celebrating with your life, yeah You can do it Alrighty! <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll just break here um, the atmosphere and bring some more celebration to the podcast. So the next question is what is holistic psychotherapist? The holistic part is kind of what I mentioned before. It's mind, body, spirit, and emotion. And so I'm taking a lot of my work into the workplace, into companies, so that I can spread this message even wider than just working with people one-on-one. -on -one. But basically, it's looking at the whole person. I like to say I'm just one spoke of the wheel. I know what I do and I know what I do really well. And let's just say that you come to me and, and we talk about your diet and you tell me what you're eating and I, oh, you could work with a nutritionist or you've got some physical pain and you could work with a body worker, an energy worker, you could do acupuncture. So there's many different ways that people can gather all these different pieces of themselves. But basically, if you're looking at these quadrants, mind, body, spirit, emotion, how you talk to yourself, how you think, raising your level of consciousness, raising your level of awareness so that you can make different choices and really operating what I like to call from the inside out. A lot of mm. times we work from the outside in. This is what somebody's expecting of me. You know, mm. if I do this, then I'm going to get a, a pay raise, but I don't really care about doing this. So a lot of times reward comes from the outside. But in order for it to stick, we call it intrinsic motivation. It has to be mm. intrinsically important to you. That's so interesting because it's like one of the mental health facts that I've been analyzing for this episode. It's actually mind-blowing for me. So one in five adults in America experience a mental illness. Nearly one in every 25 adults in America live with a serious mental illness and one half of all chronic mental illness begins by the age of 14 uh, years old and three quarters by the age of 24, which it's very early on our life. So how do you explain this? There's all different ways of looking at mental illness. And if we're talking about the serious mental illnesses, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, they are biologically based. There's a predisposition that genetically you might have a predisposition to that illness but what we're also learning and this is so 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 important is that the environment has a tremendous impact whether that gene ever gets expressed or not we are not doomed as a society we are doomed because we are not creating the environments that are conducive to good mental health I want to make a question because one of the podcasts that I follow by Dave Asprey the founder of Bulletproof which he wants to help people accomplish an healthy life by doing the right diet. He talks a lot about that you can overcome those illnesses and mental health problems with the right nutrition and right environment. So 
I ask you, how do you see in terms of right environment, what do you think that would be necessary as first step to diminish at least these rates? So I think the first step is understanding what good mental health looks like. Good mental health is not a natural sport, it's a learned sport. And the okay. things that I teach in this book are the fundamentals of how to become resilient to life's ambiguities and life's challenges. The whole thing is that resilient people think very differently, they respond very differently to stressors and events, they come back quickly, they believe that they can come back. The whole line of thinking and training you talk about what my purpose is, this is it, is to teach people how to become mentally healthy, how not to get so tied up into stressful situations. I was telling somebody a little bit earlier today, I was on another podcast actually, and we were talking about, I could listen to a conversation between two people and I can tell you within seconds whether that conversation is going to go south or not. Just by the way that people are phrasing their sentences you know, what kind of listeners they are. I mean, all kinds of things that go on in communication. Communication is key, learning the elements to be able to speak so that somebody can actually listen to you. So when you talk about an environment, that everybody's on the same team. We're all working with the same skills. We have resources, we have, we have internal resources to be able to deal with challenges that come along. We understand what's in our control, what's out of our control. We can recognize when we're feeling resistance to something and, and start to work with, what is that resistance? Why am I not listening? Is there truth in what somebody's saying? And my defense is going up. There's a million different questions that you can start to ask yourself. Interesting. And on that note, talking about behaviors, one of the sentences you cover is, if we want to create a new habit, we want the new desired behavior to pop up, to manifest and the undesirable or unwanted behavior to fade into the background. So how can we accomplish this, especially when it comes to build an environment that favors you, removes the mental illness and makes you very mindfulness? So again, it's building your level of skill and having this toolbox for whatever comes along, being able to put it into a certain perspective. So. Let's just say I'm building a business and my numbers are not there. I'm working so hard and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and I'm not really making any money. Again, we could blame other people or we could start to look at what's missing in number one, the way I'm thinking about this business, what's missing in my operations. Always being aware of these two pieces. What's the internal piece and what's the piece that's out of my control and you know belonging to other people? Always doing your best to nail the cause. A lot of times it's elusive, but if we can really nail it, I'm in trouble because I'm not seeing the whole picture. Maybe I need a coach or I need a mentor or somebody to help me look over here. You know, at my age, I just started to recognize one of my shortcomings it goes way back to when I was in school, when I used to do word problems in math, in the SATs in this country, the standardized tests, and you know, and this thing is going this many miles an hour and that's going that many miles an hour. And I would feel like a white sheet of paper would come over my face. <laughs> my brain just didn't go there. So I found in my business that certain things that represent that kind of operation are my, really my weaknesses. Okay, so if I'm not good at this, but I know somebody who's really good at it, that can help me. So one of those behaviors that you highlight is the pre-performance visualization, which gets you your whole body and mind really make that killer pre-sensation. So tell to the audience how can become super achievers by just incorporating this exercise into their daily routine. What I do is I do a lot of speaking and every time I speak, before I speak, when I get up in the morning, I do what I call there a pre-performance visualization. So I imagine, you know, even if I haven't seen it, I imagine the, the venue that I'm gonna be in, I imagine the stage that I'm going to be in. I imagine the people, the audience. So if I know that I'm speaking to a group of millennials, it's going to be a very different talk than if I'm speaking to people my age as a baby boomer. And so I just put myself with all my senses, because that's the whole thing about visualization. You know, your visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and smell, taste, mm. whatever way that you can bring in all the senses. And then I also think about and visualize the energy that I want to create. 
and the outcome that I want people to leave with. So I go through all these different things about this speech way before I ever get on the stage. All these things. And once you bring it into your senses, your senses have already done it. The brain already knows it. Interesting. Do you know that one thing that I've learned, I think, two years ago on the law of attraction? They say that for you to be able to execute the law of attraction, which is possible, you have to express, feel, and think. It's actually crazy because if you are at the venue presenting and imagining that you actually have to smile when you are thinking on that, right? <laughs> Or just like make woo something exciting. But just to give a clue to the audience, it's something like this, right? Like you have really to express, think and feel that you are doing that act, basically. That's right. So every part of you has to be in alignment with what it is that you say that you want. Which brings in, again, the belief systems and all, you know, do I really want to perform at that level? Do I mm. really want all the responsibility that may come? People mm. talk about, oh, I want all this money. You have to be responsible with your money. It's another, you know, and so every part of you has to be in agreement that what it is mm. that you say you want, do I really want them? So when we have the fear, you say fear is the only thing that gets smaller as you get closer. So what do we do with fear? How do we deal with fear? Well, number one, we have to name it this concept of my level of awareness. I was actually interviewed for something this morning where I looked at the questions and they don't just come off the top of my head like some of this other stuff does. So I'm feeling a little anxiety about it. How am I going to do? So I have choices. I can prepare. I can look at the questions. I can come up with the answers ahead of time. I can get myself in the mindset of you know, what it is that I need to do to perform. And so that begins to start to give me a little bit of comfort. It may not take away the fear altogether because the only way I'm going to really kind of know it is if I go through it. Because the other saying that I say in there is the only way past it is through it. So if I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the questions and I'm feeling a little nervous, the fear is getting smaller because now I know it's not all this uncertainty. So as I give myself permission to name it, to look at it, Okay, now how am I going to deal with it? What are my options? So do you know how do I overcome that? I learned this by one of the investment partners at a huge VC firm here in Silicon Valley called Greylock. They invested in companies like Airbnb, Facebook, and, and many more. And the partner, Simon Rothman, he talks a lot about lock yourself in the future. And one of the things that I have practiced since I created You Can is I don't have to fear this obstacle because in the future I overcame this obstacle. So it's like, I don't have to fear. I just have to acknowledge that I'm going through this obstacle. It's part of the journey, but what matters is the end result 10, 20, 40 years from now. So the question is, When you coach people, especially high-performing people, how do you teach them on the focus of today versus the reality of tomorrow? Wonderful question. I start with the vision. Let's just say 10 years out, 20 years out. What is the vision that you have today where you want to be 10, 20 years from now? And let's create the vision, you know, what you want your life to look like, what you're going to be doing, what kind of environment you're going to be on, you know. Right now I'm sitting in my new apartment and I've been staring at the water and the sailboats in front of me. Part of my vision of living on the water, I created umpteen years ago. So we hold a vision. Now, I don't know the path of this vision exactly. I just know that it's a guiding star. And now I'm back in today. And what are the decisions that I make that are going to take me, as best as I know today, to that vision. So if I'm in business and I have a vision to earn, you know, to create a business that, you know, that has X amount of dollars and also has X amount of impact on the world, that's going to guide my decisions today about what I do this morning. And by the end of the day, what have I done in my day that contributes to my journey to that vision. 
Interesting. So let's split that into two parts. One of the things I read in a book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, he tells that when you think about your future self, you should not label it. So for example, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you should not say, oh, I'm a Navy SEAL. You should say, I'm a person that likes extreme physical activities to be more hybrid. Because he says, if you stop being a Navy SEAL, you get frustrated and sad because you lost that label. And the second part, it's like, what is your North Star metric? So it's like, what's your key thing that drives you in this path of purpose? When people try to practice that, how the journey looks like. So it's like... I understand. So let's just say I'm using my youngest son as an example. His dream was always to be a major league soccer player on the national team, the US national team. And so he was in the ballpark. He had the talent. So that was number one. You know, do I even have the talent and the wherewithal to go reach for that dream, right? So he was recruited a bunch of times to different high schools and whatever, and he ended up on the high school that was the number one soccer team in the country. And his coach asked him just this exact question, what's your goal? And he said, my goal is to get on the US national team. And he said, oh, that's a terrible goal. <laughs> you know? And my son said, why? And he said, you can prepare to be on the US national team, but you're a right-footed halfback and they're looking for a left-footed winger. And I never forgot that because he couldn't name the outcome that was out of his control. Just like this guy, you know, as a Navy SEAL, you can't guarantee that you're going to get to be a Navy SEAL, but you can put yourself in the position. Do you think that people should shift from accomplishing a goal and more enjoying the consistent pursuit of the 1% everyday better version of themselves? By the way, listeners, this sentence, the consistent pursuit of my 1% better every day, is owned by one of the UK event advisors, David Meltzer, who is the CEO of Sportsman Marketing, host of Entrepreneurial Very Pitch. And he always does a podcast called The Playbook in partnership with Entrepreneur Magazine. And he's a great, great guy. You should definitely listen to him. Well, I don't think it's an either or. I don't want you to take away. Okay. Okay, so okay. I have a vision that I create, you know, and I've had a, it's just a little piece of paper that I drew these little stick figures on that I did right around 2004 when I left my first husband and I moved into Manhattan by myself at 57. <laughs> and I created a vision of people I wanted to meet, the partner that I wanted to meet, the traveling that I wanted to do, the money that I wanted to make, the contribution that I wanted to give. And each one had a little picture. And so they've been my guiding stars. And I have reached about 95% of that vision. Okay, I still have a piece to go. And so my daily life is connected to that 5% in terms of my work that I have not yet created that continues to guide me. But I don't know where it's going to come from. How did you and I get together? You and I got together because I met you know, your partner at an event that I was at and I was holding my book. And I gave him my book and then he gave it to you. And then you sent me a note. I read your book. I said, you read my book? Yes. <laughs> You know? Love the book. And so there's one saying that says you can only see 200 yards in front of you. Focus on that 200 yards that may or may not take you to that vision. Okay. And then you're constantly tweaking. Like last year I was off course. You know, my son came home from college and he said, mom, what are you doing? You know, you got to get back on, on, you know, on track. And I kind of lost my way a little bit. So he calls it this guy that Marv Ecker, who wrote Millionaire Mind, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It's not a ladder, it's a lattice. I go off here, oh, no, 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 oh, I got to tweak, I got to get back on course again. Okay, because I can only see 200 yards in front of me, but I never lose the vision. And sometimes the vision changes as we grow and as we move. And That's, as we true. That's true. Right? It, it matures, matures stone, too, yeah. Right? Yeah. So now a very hot topic on that vision of your future self how you get clarity on the partner so the girlfriend the boyfriend that you have is the right one to walk with you through the stages of growth in your life and match the future version of yourself 
it all starts with knowing yourself that you have two grown-ups that are making a decision when i got married my first marriage i was 23. i was not a grown-up and in my second marriage obviously much older but much more informed grown-up decisions and knowing myself really well the things that are really important to me the things that i can let go of you know having the freedom to grow having somebody to support me in my craziness and because i'm a little crazy and you know and has the patience and, and is a good listener things that were really important to me and knowing that you're not going to get a hundred percent you know but you want to get close on your values your visions your non-negotiables because at the end of the day this is actually what i believe the reality is for you to accomplish happiness and harmony in the relationship i believe you have to love yourself more right absolutely because if you devote the hope that you will find life fulfillment in your partner then you lose the self-love you're in trouble you must love and care about yourself and know what's important be able to speak it you know live it and then find a partner that also can support you and you can support them in their vision. Do you think that partner, when you practice this self-fulfillment, especially in younger ages, 20s, 30s, do you think this partner should be someone that pushes you to grow versus giving you comfort? I think you have the answer to that. I think it should be growth. <laughs> That's my idea. I always think that it should push you towards growth because by saying what you need to hear or making you comfortable by being uncomfortable, you will fail fast. And if you fail fast, you succeed fast. So I think that the partner that you should have right now should exactly annoy you, kind of like bring all of those things that you don't want to hear because those things are necessary for you to grow, right? And not everybody is open to hearing those things. This is the deal that I'll tell you on partnership and in, in relationships. Two people need to be at that same level of personal growth and introspection and, and development. Because when we don't have that, the relationship can't sustain. It doesn't mean you have to be exactly in the same place, but you mm. have to be open to growing because one partner is going to start to grow and if the other one doesn't, there's going to be conflict. So it's two people that are willing to grow. Otherwise, it's going to run into trouble. So, last question to end this first episode, which I hope our audience is loving, is an ending question that we will ask to all of our guest speakers. And again, thank you so much, Tina, for being here today. What's your life purpose? What do you want to leave in this world behind you? So, for my life purpose, and it hasn't changed in years and years and years, is that I am the instrument or an instrument to help people ignite that excitement about growing and then to teach the skills that they can help to change the world and change the next generation. So my hope is working like with somebody like you and, and Andreas and people like you who have these, these great passions and great visions to be able to teach you the skills that you need that I've learned over these years to take it into your life and then impact as many millions of people as you can. So guys, this is one of the huge perks of listening to this podcast. Tina is offering to all of our listeners 30 minute assessment to achieve high performance. So in this call, Tina will have a conversation with you and learn more about your life objectives, vision for yourself, and potentially work together in a thing that I'm very excited to participate, which is a group coaching program for more than six months. I'm actually now recruiting a lot of friends of mine. Basically, in this 30-minute assessment, you'll be able to speak with Tina and potentially participate in this group coaching program, which is, you know, it's a reality of these days, guys. Like, if you want to develop yourselves and live a life with fulfillment, you have to invest in yourselves and one of these investments is basically getting proper coaching from an expert. And Tina is an expert and I think you should really try this 30-minute assessment for free 
and having this conversation with her. On the flip side, youcanevent.com, the first place to go if you want to create in real life experiences, is offering a free consultation also for one hour for your next event experience. So if you are looking to organize an event in the future, I'm more than happy to help you. And a special discount for San Francisco Bay Area natives or residents to host their next event at the 906 Broadway venue, which is in the heart of San Francisco, a beautiful venue that is at a great discount for your next event. All of this information will be available on youcanevent.com slash podcast, the 30-minute assessment, free consultation with Tina, and the You Can Event offering. So you just go to youcanevent.com slash podcast and you'll be able to see all of this information. So it's time to say goodbye, Tina. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to speak with you. Again, I'm super, super excited to work with you and I'm giving my very best from what I've learned in this book to keep my mind healthy and aware. And I hope you had a great time. And I loved it. I loved your questions. They're thoughtful, they're meaty, and hopefully your listeners are open to learn and to continue to learn because that's what it's all about. Thank you so much, Tina. I really appreciate it. So see you next time, guys. Again, youcanevent.com is the first place to go if you want to create in real life experiences. The objective of this podcast called Purpose is to teach and share knowledge to every human being on the planet on the path to live a life fulfilled with purpose. And if you know anyone interested in living a life with purpose and learn how to build that path, feel free to recommend this podcast and invite all of your friends. Thank you so much for listening and see you guys next time. You can event, life is a celebration. Thank you.